The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? Well, we're having a drink we've had before. We're going to try it this way with new alcohols in it, and then we're going to try it a second way with a little squitch, just to see, like we have played with our martinis. Right. So this is the Belvedere. We're going to call this Belvedere 2, because we've made a traditional Belvedere, which means in the early phases of making cocktails... I took whatever we had in our cabinet and I told you what kind of bourbon I was using, those kinds of things, but I didn't distinguish like if I use this vermouth versus this vermouth and then to designate those as separate cocktails. Because really in reality, if you use, if if a recipe asks for cooking, asks for citrus, you know, you could just say citrus and then you could use whatever you use. Right. Right. Or you could say, no, I use Myers lemons or I use tangerines or something. I'm trying to get a little more specific about it. Yeah. So this is a really easy cocktail to make. It's a sipper, but it's an excellent pre-dinner drink, I yeah. think, an aperitivo because it obviously uses some, well, it uses Campari. Anytime we start using Campari, yeah. that, that's either, that, that tends to be pre-dinner kind right, of thing. Right, right. So anyway, this is one and a half ounces of bourbon. I use the Forrester bourbon. Okay. And then an ounce of sweet vermouth, which is Dolan, and an ounce of Campari. Okay. Campari's Campari. And then I put an ice ball in the glass. All the alcohol is in the mixer tin. I turn it with ice for about 100 turns. Then I strain it over to the ice ball. Then I use the Y peeler, which I have just discovered. Where where was I? Under a rock? (laughs) Because I think I tried it truly a long time ago, and it messed up the garnish I was making. And so I kind of just... Well, you probably had an idea of what garnish should be, but now you've like rethought that. Well, I have, but also I think I tried to go too deep with it and oh, it was, right. I was resisting me. And so then I fought with it and it just kind of mangled the garnish. Right. So I never really thought about it again right. until we got that book in NOLA from about The Cure. cure. Right. right. And they talk about, oh, use for these type of drinks, just like this one. Use the Y peeler. And I was like, Y peeler? I actually had to go look it up because I was like, I don't know what they meme off that. Well, of course, it's a regular peeler that I have in my kitchen. Right. So I went back this time with a really good, fresh orange. Right. And this time I didn't try to muscle it. I just tried to like... Just get the surface. Because it really described how you don't want a lot of pith with it, which I don't want a lot of pith, right? Right. Because that's bitter. 
So I grab it and go with the grain from top to bottom instead of around the circumference of the orange. So I get this really beautiful, thin piece of garnish. And then as I turn it upside down and squeeze it over the drink, it expresses just this huge amount of oil. Like I can see it spraying all over, right? which is way better than what I've ever been able to do. It's actually the point. Yeah. Because then, because what I had done, I got so frustrated with the peeler. I started using a knife. Well, knives are tricky. Right. Depending on how you get the pith away. Right. Right. And it really still wasn't giving me those expressions. And this is every time the expression is amazing. Well, I think two things. So first of all, well done. Uh, Yeah. It took me forever to learn that, but yes. And second of all, you need a fresh orange. You need a fresh orange. And I think if in our bounty, we need to have two oranges at all times, one that's top to bottom for these type of garnishes and one that's save for circumference garbage. The other thing that you noted, there was a really good note in the cure book about the type of orange you should buy. To yes. get the best expression. They really said the better oranges are the ones with the real kind of bumpy, gnarly skin. Yeah. They have the most oils. Yeah. And I happen to grab those. One of those and you right. know what? Remarkably, in the past, though, I've grabbed, try to grab the smoothest oh, interesting. orange. So that's a big learning so curve. I, yeah. So now I know what to do. It's great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's taste this drink. Yeah. It smells absolutely delicious oh, orange gorgeous. fragrance. Beautiful. See, that's just. That so makes me happy. That's a beautiful drink. You know, it's it's first of all, it's balanced. The orange makes a huge contribution to the drink. Yeah. But it leaves you with a bitter aftertaste. But not like not too bitter. Not too bitter. No, but bitter, which literally lives into that aperitivo well, yeah, flavor profile. Like I'm gleeking. Yeah. I mean, I know the other day when we used the Fairnet Bronca for the first time. Yeah. Now that's really bitter. Yes. And I was like salivating, but I'm still salivating now. And that's kind of a good sign when you have an aperitivo you know, type, type of cocktail yeah. that you're salivating because it's getting your mouth ready for flavor. Not just your mouth, but your sort of- Your digestive digestion. system right. too. Yes, of course. Yeah. But that's a sign. And and it really will make meals better because your, your taste buds will open up. Yeah. It's a beautiful drink. Yeah. I like it. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. One of the things that I really enjoy is when we talk to other podcasters. I know. It's so great. Yeah. So when I saw Nick's pod, I reached out to him and he was like super cool. He was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to be on your pod. Why don't you come on my pod? And so we arranged to do this. So, hey, Nick, welcome to the conversation. Thank you very much for having me. It's our pleasure. You know, we always begin our show by inviting you to share your journey as a sexual creature. So how did you discover yourself as a sexual creature and how has that evolved to where you got a bunch of kinky friends? Uh, very young, very, very young. I started making straight jackets out of uh, raincoats and belts and like wiggling around the floor. And uh, I grew up on catalogs and like I would always, instead of going to the toys for like holidays, I'd go to the lingerie section and look at the women. You know, I was the kind of kid who um, in study hall or in the library at school, everyone was like, 
joking around talking about sports and stuff i was literally looking up what the word clitoris means in the encyclopedia or the dictionary sex was a major major part of my life all through my, all through my life and then you know i'm a romantic at heart <laughs> so i always kind of chased it in a very whimsical manner i just chased kinky sex i loved you know a group of punk rock kids watching movies like sid and nancy i saw a man hanging from the ceiling and a woman beautiful woman with garter belt stockings and a corset and the man's hanging from the ceiling and i want to be like i want to be that guy <laughs> i want to i want to be that guy and it just you know through music and movies and just the scene i was just fascinated by kink and kink culture and it truly 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 saved my life in many ways not only emotionally i mean i had drug problems and stuff like that but i had a cirrhosis of the liver i was a major alcoholic and i love drugs and you know I, I started being active in the kink community before that and i started this show your kinky friends and being sick the fans and the friends that i've made in the kink community really helped me push through emotionally you know and you know physically even and i have a love for the creativity of kinky people and i want to celebrate that in any way shape or form amazing totally amazing yeah oh oh and it also my hardcore outing i guess would be my fiance who passed away at the age of 37. One day, she was in and out of the hospital, but she would steal hospital restraints, right? And I like to say true love is not having to clear your browser history. I also like to say that we put the bond in bondage. One night she comes in garter belt stockings. She has a pair of panties in the other and the hospital restraints that she stole from the hospital in one the other hand. And she tied me to the bottom of the couch. I'm on the floor. She takes my pants off and puts black silk panties on me and is like, I own you now. <laughs> and because uh, she knew what kind of porn I liked. <laughs> I liked femdom porn. And the communication of it, it led this down this rabbit hole. We were switches. We got out into the king community. We brought people into the relationship. We have a great, magnificent time. She was a switch. I was a switch. Let's say we both had French maid outfits. <laughs> you know, we had custom made chassis devices. But at the same time, she liked it when I domed her. And she liked it when I was with other women in front of her. So she would find other women and like hook me up to, to help seduce other women and have them be. And she would be in the corner watching us. And this is what she wanted to do. This is all her idea. This is it. She would be in the corner watching us masturbating. And I would have to be with this other woman in front of her, basically saying, this woman is so much sexier than you. She's so much hotter than you. She's such a better lover than you are. And then she'd like, you know, have the woman make me come on, on her face, you know, like, while she's in the corner and stuff like that. And, you know, that was like a, like an everyday thing, but unfortunately she passed away and that like kind of, I dove headfirst into the kink community, just started making friends and just started hanging out, learning stuff and doing what I can to kind of help other people express themselves. And that's what I do. That's, that's what led it to this, I guess. <laughs> wow. What an amazing, amazing story. Nick. Like, I appreciate your authentic sharing, being vulnerable to be able to be authentic in that way for us truly and for our listeners, because what you're sharing right now speaks to other listeners. And that's like, that's what's super powerful about podcasting is you never know who you're touching. You know, we get lots of reviews and we get all that wonderfulness. However, you really don't know. It's often the people that never give you feedback you know, but you've changed our lives. So thank you for your sharing. Thank you. And 
I can completely relate to the experience of literally succumbing to femdom power. Like I get that completely. Oh, I, I, according to your podcast, you've kind of fell into that. I hear. Uh, it's true. <laughs> it's pretty delicious, isn't it? It's so intoxicating. It's 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 addictive. It's so good. I have become. I have. This is a, a tightrope I'm walking on with femdom, right? Uh, especially because I'm a big fan of feminization and sissification porn. But at the same time, I don't want to exploit it, and I do not want to degrade female. You know, it's femdom. It means dominance. Women dominating. Win women in power. So it's. I read into it like like that. Sissification is like a, a like almost a parody of gender roles in a way that's one way you know to kind of look at it to say that like oh i'm not you know hurting what women stand for or anything like that i absolutely adore women and the thing is, is that with femdom it makes you it at least makes me appreciate womanhood appreciate women and want to want them to be empowered so i would my what i have been doing like my thing is to help set up dominatrixes and dungeons with dominant with helping out their dungeons helping out them meeting people, helping them to be successful in their business, you know, and I don't, my, I guess like what I, I get paid back in friendship, basically, you know what I mean? And in the feeling that I'm doing a good thing for the kink community. I love femdom. I absolutely adore femdom. It's like deep inside of me. <laughs> no, I totally get it. I wasn't aware of how just completely intoxicating it was until it we just kind of began this journey and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is like so cool. You know, it's really the opportunity to experience women at their most powerful way, like in the most mm -hmm. basic powerful way. And I just want to take issue with something you said, you know, specification and so forth. For me, what that is, it's not about minimizing women. It's about men getting in touch with their feminine self. And so I don't object to that. Oh, I don't object to I don't I love sissification. I absolutely love sissification. And you're talking about about you know femdom, it does become addictive. Lady Petra, how many thirsty femdom addicts message you a day? Oh, I mean a lot. I mean a ton. But I'm looking for non-posers. Like there there's also the other thing that phenomenon that happens is particularly I think more with women than men. Like male dominants don't probably get this as much because women are smarter seeking a male dominant or submissive men who are seeking a male dominant are also smarter. Let's just say that. However, a lot of people want to start a conversation and think you're a kink dispenser. And it's like, oh, yeah. fuck you. I'm not going to talk you up so you can get off before you go to work. You know, stop talking to me like that. You haven't earned that right to talk to me that way. Mm -hmm. It's funny that like majority of my friends are doms, you know, are are doms. And one thing that I always preach, and I'll do I, like till the day I die, I'll preach: never waste a dom's time. Never. It's like my motto: never waste, even in friendship, right? Just straight up friendship, you know. Don't babble. <laughs> Say what you want. <laughs> you know, and it's also sex work is work, even whether it's professional or lifestyle. Sex work is life. Is work. Never waste a dom's time. And I, you know, use that in everything. Use it in regular business. Use it in friendship. Use it. Just don't waste people's time. And I think that is the most important thing. So many doms, they, no shows happen, or people want to like hook you in and be their sub, but they're not serious. They're so scared. They'll, they'll run away at the second it, it gets real. And that's a shame because I think people should be living out their fantasies in life. Life is short. Trust me. I know I died. Like legally he died. <laughs> like, no, seriously, legally he died. 
you make a very good point, right? You make a very good point. We don't call it living out your fantasies. We call it living your full self-expression. Yes. Oh, good. Even better. That's great. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> because if you're self-expressed, you know, you're living into your fantasies. Right. And you're actually making them real because life occurs in action, right? So you literally take on the things you're thinking about and bring them into reality. And goddamn, that's a fucking hot life to live. Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 Life is, and seriously, life is short. And, you know, with the loss I've had in my life and the risks, I wrote a whole book called The Coolest Way to Kill Yourself. And it's a tribute to the woman who died, but it's like a really a memoir about our lives and our relationship. It's a tribute to her. We were both writers, you know, and that's what life is short. And after our, her passing, I realized that like, I have to live this life. I can't keep it hidden. I can't be shamed. You know, I can't feel shame about it. I have to be, I might as well be proud about it and proud of the things I do. And that includes helping other kinky people. You know what I mean? That's what I, I love to do. I love to help other kinky people. It's just, it's fun for me. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it saved my, it really truly saved my life. BDSM culture and the community and the friendships, you know, have saved, I'd be dead if it wasn't. Kink community saved my life. So when I, like I started this, I, I wrote a book. It gained some kind of weird underground following, which I never, like, I, I didn't write it for money or publicity or anything. I wrote a book, but it, it got some people uh, around the world really liking it. And it's it's called The Coolest Way to Kill Yourself. And it's all about her. And it's about he, uh, me kind of ex like coming out or becoming a kinky person in a way. It's a lot more than that, but that's a major theme of it. And to give back to the community, I, I want, you know, and all the friendships I made, I just started interviewing people. You know, I just, I literally, because I, I wanted to humanize sex and fetishes and stuff like that. And that was, that was the main goal. And be, and it's all because life is short. We have to live out loud. And, and if these people that I'm interviewing, if they're living out loud, if they're living their dream or so to speak, or, you know, then it's, then you can too. You know what I mean? And that's, what's really cool about pot, like doing your podcast and, and doing the show and stuff like that. People from like around the world, people from Afghanistan and India and Iraq or or Asia or Africa, especially Africa, you know, Germany and France, they contact me and they're like, thank you for, you know, making me feel not alone anymore. <laughs> and I, I have these thoughts. I have these thoughts too. And you, whoever's listening to this, you're not alone. You're not alone. We're all kinky. We're all like perverted and perversion can be a good thing. Just be the good kind of pervert. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're not going to get off this dirt ball. Like this is it. This yeah. is you only get one it. This is it. So do it now. Love now. Seriously, because that's all you have is the moments you have. And you might as well make them might as well make them worth it. And also filled with, you know, what you feel is love. You know what I mean? It's and it's important to go where the love is. So everything that I do in on the artistic sense in any artistic project is really based on just people wanting to do it. If it's not fun, I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? Talking to these dominatrixes, not just dominatrixes. I talk to sissies. I talk to activists, comedians. You know, musicians. I had a Kurt Ross Ultra Vivid scene on there. And he didn't know that his songs that were released 10 years ago are now playing in certain dungeons. <laughs> you know, and then Dominatrixes are coming into the chat talking about it. Um, shout out to Nico Noir. But talking to these people, I've become a better person myself, I think. You know, just I started talking to these people and I became a better person myself. As in Dominatrixes, really, oh my God. Talk to some Dominatrixes who like have every their life 
together. You know, it makes you want to step your game up. You're like, oh, I should be making more money. I should be healthier. I should look better. I should do this. It really like steps your game up. You don't want to compete with them, but you want them to inspire you. That's the way I look. Anyway, I ramble. Sorry. It's all good. No, that's true. You know, we set out to record our journey because we were in a transformational journey. The impact of that was we wanted to demystify sexuality and kink, right? And we've recorded conversations with, like you, a range of really interesting kinksters. And the thing that we're always impressed by is that when people are living their full self-expression as a kinkster, they're actually happier and they're more joyful and they're living just like their actual preferred way to live. God, yeah. I know. I'm I am an easier person to be around <laughs> because of of kink and BDSM culture. I really am. I solve problems better. There is the mystique of like the, the my vanilla friends or family members, they're like, What is it you do? Like what's what? like I can't imagine what your night is like. And I'm like, Well, keep imagining. But still, you know, and that kind of feels cool. But you know, they can live it too. You know what I mean? It's it's great to, to come out. There are, like I said, I like to humanize it myself. And uh, I do, because we are, we're all humans. Even the toughest, most brutal, sadistic dom stubs their toe and feels horrible. <laughs> you know, like they have to, you know, even it's, there is the mystification of like the dominatrix or the sub or, uh, you know, the professionals, especially, or the porn stars or anything like that. But they're people, they're human beings, just like you and I. Oh, for sure. So why is it that your experience in kink has made you an easier person to be around? Like, what is it about kink from your perspective? Overall friendliness, I guess. You know, like, the, the cool, there is friendly, cool people in the kink community. It's, as long as you're real, I think, I believe, you know, and, and honest and, you know, a genuine person, but also someone who's not out to hurt somebody, who's a decent human being. There are... You could you can navigate within the community and, and form amazing, wonderful friendship. You know what I mean? And that, and if you could do that, that means you could do that in the corporate world or in the in in any kind of job in any family. Like walking through a dungeon party, <laughs> you know, and walking through a party is, it has the same dynamic as like a regular party. You just have to, you know, you, you don't want to overstay your welcome. You want to act right. You want to be funny enough, but not over. You know what I mean? You want to, you know, you, but and you, ultimately you want to have a good time. You want anyone to person you're with to have a good time. And that's the way I kind of translate that into business. You know what I mean? So you've had this like amazing journey. You've almost died as an alcoholic. You've had a loved one pass away. Oh, and a heroin addict and a coke addict. Okay. I did. Yeah. Oh, I've done, I, I haven't done crack. I don't plan to, I don't do drugs anymore. I don't do, I, I, I edibles, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. it. Okay. It's all good. You've done all that. You've had this experience of excess, let's call it. Right. Oh, and, yeah. you've, and you've had a lot of loss, right? Oh yeah. And now you're sitting where you're sitting. My question is, as you look at the experience you're having today, how do you process the impact that all of that has had on you? Like, what's the impact that you're living with regarding this experience you've had over life? Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. It's an interesting question. It's a loaded question. Um, I think I like to feel that I have a more appreciation towards life and sexual expression, or just expression in general. I love art. I love creativity. I love comedy, film theater music 
you know, painting, sculpture, singing, dancing, you name it. I, like, I love all this. I was the, the kid in the art wing in the drama school. I wasn't on the football field. You know what I mean? Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just like, that was my interest. You know what I mean? And I need that. I know that I need that in my life. The ultimate thing, right, is that I have an addictive personality, whether it's, you know, drugs or sex or fetishism or something like that. So I always will take the negative aspect of that, right? And flip it into something positive and that all really stemmed from lynn dying and you know writing the book i could have wallowed in grief i could have turned to drugs which would probably led to crime in some way you know what i mean or depression or suicide but i didn't i chose to try i would try to stay positive try to do something creative you know what i mean even if it's you know, like it's not for money purposes or anything like that, just to be fun and creative. So that's why I like see, that's why what's fun about helping people set up dungeons and helping like people in the King community with creative projects or just, or just connecting people with them. Like that is fun for me. It, that's, I really enjoy that. I used my corporate suit and tie life of connecting people, which was my original job as like a, like a matchmaker. I, like, I try to do that for, for my friends in the community. And so it's taking something negative and taking, making something positive. I think that's the ultimate lesson that I've learned because life is short, you know, and if you're gonna, if life is short, you might as well enjoy it. You might as well do something positive with it. It's really, it's just kind of simple like that. And it's, I couldn't really express that hard enough. <laughs> if that makes sense. It does. You know, it's clear to me that what occurred for you is you found a way to be a contribution. Yeah, and, I try. Yeah, and I acknowledge you for that. I really do. I think that... And you are too. You are, like, the, what you two are doing is amazing, which I love. I absolutely love. You know, I appreciate that. I, give yourself a bowl a pat in the back. Yeah, back's uh, patted. Okay. Well, I'm going to slap my pussy. That's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, even better. <laughs> no, I acknowledge you for being resilient, right, and courageous, and for bringing your energy to a place where you are without a doubt, a contribution. And, you know, just this podcast, just sharing yourself with your guests and the interviews you're doing, like that's a very powerful, positive way to express yourself as a sexual creature. So good on you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That's a great concept. Yes. So I have a question for you about being a switch. Like, did you always experience yourself as a switch or did you all of a sudden at some point in your life have an experience you're like hey i could be over there too like how did that occur to you i i was a switch i guess by default i i get i don't know maybe i don't know how i <laughs> i really enjoy sex and i enjoy i enjoy the not just sex as in just the action i enjoy the romance of it i really do you know two people want to do something sexual together there's something really there's a there's a poignance of lack i don't want to say but it's true there's there's a that there's something cool about that connection between people that you know that comfort level and stuff like that and in order to feel that comfort level i was more successful at a at a young age just going through puberty being more dominant right but i always had a love for the woman who would make the first move you know what I mean? That was, oh, did I, did that do wonders for me? <laughs> and it, it, I guess it started in, I was going to high school. I was a record store kid. I, used to lo I love record stores, going to record stores. It's a whole culture 
you know it makes me feel old because you know i'll say record store culture no one knows the hell i'm talking about (laughs) but yeah i met this punk rock this this kind of post-punk rock girl named kim and she was wild she did what the hell she wanted. She she had some mental problems, but she was wild. She was sexy. She was like a like a kind of like a goth record store girl, and uh, she was very dominant. Like I I just followed her. I was her toy, and she would call me that. And here I am, fourteen years old, just turned just turned fourteen years old, and you know, smoking pot for the first time, getting tied up for the first time. She didn't know what the hell she was doing either, which is fun. <laughs> You look back at it; it's great, and that just I I and she left. She ran away from home actually because her her parents and just trouble that she got into. I never saw her again. I wrote a book all about it called Chip Black Nail Polish. You know, so if she reads the book, you never know. Maybe she'll get back to me. Maybe I'll find out what happened to her. But trust me, I did my research. But yeah, I've I had a love for that. So all that time, I was always looking for the dominant female. It was like right, you know. The whole love story was like out of like an old John Hughes movies from the 80s, right? That's what it felt like. And, you know, throughout the time, I had more success being a dominant male, you know, just in relationships and and sex and, and stuff like that. When I always wanted a woman to, you know, make the first move again, you know, and to take control. I Like, that's what I kind of longed for. So I do like being in control, but I also, I don't like being totally subjugated or degraded you know, I, I know where I kind of fall I and mean, I kind of fall in the middle. So that's why I call myself a switch. Um, but I do have an incredibly deep um, love and appreciation for femdom. Whereas, yeah. you know, women who make the first move, especially women who um, know, <laughs> you know, know what they want in order to do it and, and who achieve on them, you know, who, who are powerful powerful women smart smart intelligent women is is a huge turn on for me always always have been ever since ever since i can remember you know totally i can totally relate to that because you know when i started seeing lady petra as my mistress i was in an inquiry about it like how the fuck did that happen right she's been kneeling for me for for years all of a sudden i'm kneeling for her what the fuck and what i realized is that I'm really susceptible to seduction, and that's what you're describing. You know, yeah. Okay. Women yeah. take the first move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am susceptible to seduction. That's a way. To, yeah, it's a way to put it. I, I, I am very much susceptible to seduction. I love it. It's great. It's, it's so. It and the brattiness in me was. I was bad. I was. I was such a. I was such a brat. Some, at, you know, early in my life when I was in my twenties, where I would actually kind of test it to see you know just to see how far how interested they were you know what i mean and that was that was fun i'm very lucky i'm extremely fortunate that you know that these beautiful women wanted to spend time with me at all honestly and it's great and if i could i I love the friendships that we had i love the lovers that i've had i love the players i've played with it's it's awesome it's a wonderful thing and i think everyone should feel this way i really do you know because it like it i got through a liver transplant just so i could be spanked again you know what i mean that is hardcore yeah (laughs) but you must have drunk a lot of hard alcohol I was hard. Oh, dude. I I came. I I was. I grew up in the New York City, New Jersey area, especially during the rave scene. So it was tons of drugs, tons of drugs, ecstasy, a lot of psychedelics, angel dust. And I'm talking deal like people like smoking angel dust and like 
having like 20 people jumping from rooftop to rooftop in the middle of like the Bronx at four in the morning for no reason at all. It's like stupid stuff. Drank a lot, drank tons and tons and tons, got off heroin, wrote all about it too in the book, The Coolest Way to Kill Yourself. And I finally got up, sobered up, but I drank and drank and drank. And then eventually what happened was my body was like, yeah, you're not going to drink anymore or you're going to die. Like seriously, I started turning yellow. My stomach became very distended. <clears throat> I, I couldn't eat anything. So I had to go to the doctor and they're like, you're going to die in three months if you don't stop. So I'm like, I can't drink. And it wasn't really fun anymore. I love drinking. I love it. It's great. It's, it, you know, it loosens your inhibitions. It, you know, it adds a little sense of humor to your life. Could be a dark sense of humor, but it definitely does add some sense of humor to your life. There are problems with it. It is straight up poison. You know, but, you know, I, I, I had many good times, but it's also like your my body was basically saying you can't do that anymore. You got to find something else to be addicted to. So I, I became I became addicted to kink. And stuff yeah, like well, that. you can't die being addicted to sex. I mean, chemicals are good. Well, it's funny. I actually that's funny that you say that I went to a sex therapist to, to go to sex addiction. And here's the thing. How do you go to a sex therapist? And this is true. I went to a sex therapist. She. Oh, my God. She looked amazing. She looked like, did you ever see the Thomas Crown Affair? You know, when, oh, yeah. <laughs> when he's talking to her, she looked like that. I'm like, oh my God. I, and especially being in the femdom, it's like, I'll never drink again, do another drug if you just tell me to. Don't, I don't even need a reason. Just tell me to. <laughs> like the female, like they should make, I really think they should make female doms, female dominatrixes into like go into corporate board meetings and tell people what to do. Psychiatrists, you know, it's, it, it can work for some people, not everybody, but for some people, it's funny going to sex therapy and just want I couldn't stop thinking about like kinky situations with my therapist. So, and I told her that I'm like straight up, I'm thinking about I, all I'm thinking about is cunnilingus right now, <laughs> and all of, that's all I'm thinking about. And uh, yeah, she tried to help me go, help me through it. I guess. No, it's good. It's a good story. It really is. You know, the idea that you could literally lose your liver, lose your partner, and now be like super engaged, super self-expressed, super a contribution. Yeah, just really like really a contribution. I'm just digging this. This is very cool. But... I'm just I'm lucky, you know, I'm living on borrowed time. Yeah, sure. very lucky. A full a full on living on borrowed time. So it's and I am so thankful for the friendships that I have and the lovers that I have now. You know what I mean? I live with my dom when we have an open relationship. She, after my liver problems, she had, and with COVID and everything, she had, she was diagnosed bipolar. She was actually institutionalized and she's on her way to recovery. And she's doing well. She's doing great. And, you know, she's kicky as fuck. She entered, she, she made all, she edited my books and also did the covers, you know, and, you know, but then my, I have my friend Luna who, you know, is over all the time. And then I'm setting up a dungeon with Mr. Shari in New Jersey here. And so there's this whole scene that I'm, I'm a part of now that I helped build and I love it. I am so thankful. So it's, that's my attitude is one of, you know, being grateful. I, I'm so, I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for you two for doing this and for interviewing me incredibly. That's <laughs> cool. You know, the thing you're describing is being in community and in community, anything is possible. Yes. Yes, that's true. That's definitely true. And the gratitude you have, that's like way powerful because gratitude is your access to happiness. And so that's like the one thing people miss 
And that is your access point. True. That's true. Hey, Nick, tell our listeners how to find your podcast. You can go to your kinky friends. Y O U R kinky friends.com. You can go to, look me up. To, my name is not really common, so it comes up quick. If you go on YouTube and just type in Nicholas Tannick, I have a channel. And the live shows on the channel are the best way to do it. You know, you can watch live, you can communicate live, you could you can go in the chat. We every Sunday, the last Sunday of every month, we have Sunday service. My friend Kate West, Mistress Kate West, and Nico Noir. We have Doms, we have like five Doms at a time basically and it's like it's like almost kind of like a daytime talk show it's like the view but like hardcore bdsm (laughs) it's just like women talking about it and then um no we and we're i'm working on a a show so it's a storytelling show which from people all over the world if you go to youtube just type in nicholas tannick you'll see my channel subscribe to the channel subscribe to the channel because sometimes we go live and we don't we don't announce it at all and sometimes we do and um yeah, but it's the live shows that you want to follow. For, I've been doing this for years, right? I've been doing this for years and for fun, for love. I don't like my goal is not to make money or anything like that. I really just do it for love of the community. That's why you could tell it's lo-fi on purpose. It's totally lo-fi on purpose. I like the sound goes out, shit falls down out in the background and stuff. You know, it's there. <laughs> it's like it's it's late. It's it's a live show, so you never know what's gonna happen. I, I come from the day. I come from the the whole crew of art of like lo-fi jersey artists you know in new brunswick new jersey an artist like ween who like are just making stuff in their basement you know in their bedroom i love that lo-fi public access stuff you know what i mean so there's no if you watch my stuff there's there's no titles there's no theme song i don't edit anything <laughs> it's like if it, it is what it is it's raw and hopefully what i want to do is i want people to edit it cut it up copy it make songs make collages make snippets do like it's art it's as a crate digger right a crate digger meaning i, I records you know digging into crates going to record stores finding beats and samples and stuff like that that's all this is it's just content to fill for art I can totally, totally relate to the record oh store thing. Oh my God, I know. When I first moved to this country in 77, I hung out at Peaches like all the time. Oh yeah? Thanks, brother. Thank you. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!